0: what would I miss? Well, people always say the banter, they miss. miss the banter.
1: No, I don't miss, no. no. I, I, like, I miss people. certain people. Is that because yeah. you weren't but very I, good at the banter? I was excellent at the banter, I just wasn't appreciated. But I didn't, I was very nervous and very, I lacked confidence when I was a kid. Mm. So at City, when you're playing in a, a team of exper- experienced players,
2: oh, carry on, I'll go and find yeah. out what that
1: is. Experienced players. Just as we were rolling. Um... But yeah, at the end, people like Des Walker and Peter Atherton, and oh yeah, there was a lot of good Peter people. Aderton. Peter Atherton. Peter Atherton. A lot of good people, and we had a lot what of... Was Peter Atherton doing here? Do he was at Wigan, <laughs> okay. he was coaching, Joe when Joe Parkinson was at Wigan as well, my old Everton yeah. chum, yeah. where Gary Caldwell was at Wigan, uh, now okay. Gary's left, I'm not sure whether they're still doing that, but it was the people that we had, for, it wasn't necessarily... The game. There were people that you would have liked, even if you weren't <laughs> footballer. So I didn't, never missed because I didn't go on Christmas dues I didn't drink a lot. I didn't do all the things that people would say. Isn't that what's great about being a footballer? Going out, bonhomie, bonhomie. I, 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 I. know I didn't
0: really. really players always really say enjoy that, that they that they miss? They miss the banter, and it strikes me that the banter is the worst thing about being a footballer. And mm. it, it makes—that's what makes me think I'm glad I was talentless, because the banter must be awful and tiring and draining. As anyone who's ever spent forty-five minutes with Robbie Savage will yes. tell you. Yes, well, that's yeah.
3: that stuff we did about the intelligence of footballers. Yeah. A lot of people said, that, "Is the banter not typical of? Yeah, it really. Is. That you, you're never going to break that cycle." But do you not miss the kind of going out?
0: Because I mean, it, I'm not, even now. I'm terrible at football, but I love playing football. Do you not? Do you
1: not miss the actual playing I, of the game? This is the strange thing. Did I actually really enjoy playing football? It's a strange, it's an odd thing because you have a career of seventeen years. It must have been, but I did see it from very early on as a job. Mm. And that sounds terrible, as if you don't care. I did care, and if you saw me playing, probably five of my 450 games you could see how much I
3: cared about the game <laughs> all <laughs> well, those the derby matches well, I those played the only I ones really you, cared those are the only ones you weren't thinking about what you were having for dinner <laughs> after yeah, about exactly.
1: so see, that's, that's the if I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for my tea yeah. 10 minutes before the end of a game that probably tells you I had football maybe in perspective I knew it was a of course I was blessed to be able to do it but I had a talent I did have a talent believe me you never see, I did it, I, I lost it very early. It I, I, remember, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, watching yeah. you play. Yeah. Did you see my throw-ins, extraordinary. Uh, but
3: I forgot what I was going to say now. Yeah. It it was you, just. Just. Busy
1: wandering yeah. down your faults. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, You've, yeah. you've also, my, also my got
3: the, uh, a talent for repartee and uh, storytelling. I, yeah. I, I feel I have. Yes, I feel do, I have. Do you, the you Peter Houston, Houston off of this podcast?
0: Do yes, you what? prefer being a
1: granddad to being a left back? Yes, I prefer being a pundit. Going to games, watching games, because I'm learning I've learnt more about the game since I stopped than I ever did while I played. Mm. Genuinely. Because I wasn't really coached, never really understand what was going on. You see the Brad- so Bradley, Bradley Wright Phillips comment in the the New York
0: Times. What about Chinch? No. What was he saying about me? But he just said you're great. So he loves does, the podcast. does he does yeah.
3: he does he wish that Chinch was taking set pieces for the New York Red Bulls? Well, Do you he think he'd be an even more prolific goal scorer?
0: Troublingly, <laughs> in my in my paternity induced absence, uh, the New York Times football coverage has become substantially better which is which is worrying me more focused enormously more focused just Cleaner, better copy, better stories, more effort—just mm. better to I read. not read too much into that. It's worrying. It's
3: worrying. Well, who's, but the, anyway, who's the sports news guy who's uh, just Tarek Pander? Yeah, outstanding. T- Tarek is very. Tarek good, is yeah, amazing. is like he it. as good looking as you, though. Rory. Do
0: you know what the best thing about Tarek is? That he looks exactly like a teddy bear. He has the, the facial features <laughs> of a teddy bear. What kind of teddy bear? There's lots uh, of
3: different types of teddy bear. Just your
0: classic teddy bear. Classic teddy bear. Yeah, well, like a, a like a, yeah.
3: one of those stiff ones.
0: He's just got a really nice face. Just love Tarek's face. Is it hairy? Got a beard, yeah. Got a oh, beard. Okay, okay. He just got a great face. But anyway, Tarek is Tarek did a brilliant thing on youth football, which is uh, telling, appropriate, given what's coming, prescient. But also, they did an interview with Bradley 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 Wright Phillips, who of course is tearing it up for the New York yeah, Red Bulls and yeah. has
2: been for a number of years
0: in what is not to be referred to as the MLS, just MLS. There's no the. Uh, but he said that he wasn't. He'd learnt more about the game in the States.
1: Tactically and technically Than he ever did in England Because there was no coaching Yes The clubs he played yes. for, he played yes. for in I, can't, I, I can remember Only, only at Everton Under Joe Royal Willie Donaghy I, I was coached In how to play the game In 12 years before that even as a youth team player, there's no me, real coaching to play the position. I think but part about of this, me thinks this amazing. is the
2: cart before the horse, bearing in mind, mm. as Roy says, what is to come. Mm. Well, no, but the, uh, well, <laughs> the, the other thing I was. We're just having a nice chat, I got the door. The Amazon guy gave me loads for number eight, and I'm like, no, I'm really busy. And he's like going around all the other houses, knocking on. Nobody's answering the door, and he eventually comes back. So did I miss some good stuff, or you was did, it, it was all really, Bradley Wright Phillips? It's really touching. But
0: the other thing I want to do in this kind of not at all forced intro before you do your introduction. The completely natural. And to first. find out whether Chinch is following the career of John Ebrill as a oh, manager yes. of Everton yes. with great curiosity. Yes, John, John Ebrill and teamwork. David
1: Unsworth. Unzi, Unzi, the Rhino. <laughs> oh yes, he's a big lad. Joey Barton says he's a big lad as well. You yes, he says it that no we'll say. no very demeaningly. It's very mean of Joey Barton. There's no need for that. that. I like there. Joey a lot,
0: but it's very mean of him.
3: There's no need for it.
0: No, mm. no. Unzi looks like a nice man. But we're still He's like a getting,
3: lovely man. Getting back to the days of you know a formidable character in the in the dugout, someone that players simply wouldn't mess with because well he's the size of two players. Yes. So why would? That's you, mean would again. Be? Uh, he's, he's, he's stocky He D- could I've man the doors a, most a, of Manchester's top
1: If he sports. came on As a substitute He would be a double Substitution <laughs> In one man That's how big he is That's mean as well Stop being no, mean but I about said that about, about Michael Johnson once And I deeply regret Saying that Even though it was Hilarious Stop being mean About David Unsworth but you know what I'm not, I love David Unsworth We played alongside you li- We won a cup final Together I have s- his number In my phone you Do, you want to te- Do you want me to Text him Do you want me to Text him Rory says Everybody's Rory says being He loves you I'm going to see him soon I'm seeing him at the At the next Everton game So I'm going to to, uh, high-five him to the max. he should. What about John Ebrel? How will you drink John Eberle? Uh, th- you know the story about John <laughs> I, I We
2: can't that's, repeat. Essentially, this yes. is what you've been angling yeah. for... Essentially, for the there was a league table...
1: ...and John Eberle was always in contention for the team.
2: All right, okay, that's enough of that. Welcome to Set Piece <laughs> Menu, the <laughs> <laughs> podcast where four friends talk football over food. Yes, it is four again. We are very grateful that you've stuck with us through times of great change... ...for two of the four, at the very least. We hope you enjoyed the clip shows that necessity dictated... ...but hopefully also served a purpose... Of bringing some of the newer listeners a nice soup song of the back catalogue. It's like if you're a Prince fan and we've saved you the trouble of listening to early efforts like For You and Dirty Mind. Yes, nobody's heard of those two. So that you can come straight in at 19.99. Mm. That, I think, is an excellent analogy. I would say that we have not done, done, any done anything of, of that quality. <laughs> Now that we're together again, a reminder of the set-piece menu some. I am Hugh Ferris, S&D FC under-12s right-winger in a 23-0 defeat turned presenter. That's Rory Smith, Collingham Colts 11th player on the team sheet, but still they'd rather have him as a substitute turned New York Times chief soccer correspondent. Steve Wyeth is the best right-back Crookham Rovers have ever had, according to Steve Wyeth, turned commentator for BT Sport. My Clubman of the Year trophy circa 1992 <laughs> would provide the supporting Have effort. you still got it? Somewhere. I'm sure my mum's kept
3: it. <laughs> is Clubman of the Year equivalent to Most
2: Improved, which I always thought was an insult? I think it's when you like paint the goalposts and yes, stuff. Nothing to do with your performance yeah, I, the field, I think yeah. it
3: was basically turning up every week for the right. throughout the course of they the couldn't season. They could not shift yeah. you,
2: yeah. And Andy Hinchcliffe, Manchester City, Everton, Sheffield Wednesday, and England fullback turned former Manchester City, Everton, Sheffield Wednesday, and England fullback. Can you? You've can graduated. You turn, can you turn, or your knees just break? Don't they? That's yeah, what happens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, do continue to get in touch as you have done over the weeks. Thank you so much for all your correspondence at setpiece menu is where we are on Twitter setpiece menu at gmail.com is the email address now full disclosure everyone I am heading on my honeymoon soon hooray didn't you get married just about you six you months ago, ago? I, uh, 15 16 weeks ago yes so save up and I haven't you already been on a it's honeymoon we're not all on the BT sport gravy train yeah I do one day a week, you know, and they pay me so much I can oh, what, what saunter no, through the midweek. Why is he turned wife? to me? He's going on a yeah, second yeah. honeymoon, yeah. and I'm getting
3: grief about what I do for him. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's,
1: How have it's we stayed like that? two like He's given his wife some thinking time just to see whether she really did want to go on honeymoon, and apparently the fool still wants to go away with him. Mainly because it was
2: paid for before the wedding. Where are you going on honeymoon? We are going away on honeymoon to South Africa, which is going to be lovely. But over the next three weeks of your lives, while Gemma and I realise that spending three weeks of our lives in each other's pockets will be a mighty strain on our very short married life we will be doing two things the first is enjoying a completely out of season spring chicken one pot dinner complete with crusty bread it currently sits on the hob bubbling away Uh, more on that to come the second is joining together some strands of both conversations that we have had ourselves and also topics that our listeners have suggested under one overarching banner subject called youth If you have a child, slightly older than Rory's, and they are showing signs of being a promising footballer, how would you go about helping them become a professional one?
0: I just want to make make this clear. Ed is is very talented. (laughs) (laughs) Already? Is he showing signs? He, He is already kicking. The dog has a football, and Ed is already kicking the football both in-step and out-step. It's fine. Well, You if know if you're holding
3: him under the arms and swinging him at the ball, that doesn't count as a still count. That's how Lionel Messi started.
2: And if they complete a successful journey through an academy, the loan system and having been taught the skills and accrued the experience, maybe then even reach the first team of a Premier League club, How does that young player continue to improve? If you're a prodigious talent like Ed Whittington Smith, that journey might be only 10 years. For other late bloomers like Andy Hinchcliffe, it might be more like 15, with a thousand decisions along the way for both parent and player, and then coach and player that could make or break a career. At every turn. So, how does it work, and how do you plot a path to the Premier League? This week, the conversation will centre around those first steps, which once again Ed has been unable to take unaided, and also academies. So, should we start with Andy Hinchcliffe, former Manchester City, Everton, Sheffield Wednesday, and England left back? When you were young and good, how did it work? Well, this is everything
1: has changed. The academy system has changed, and probably. I know I'm the most probably educated person here in terms of football, but the wrong person should probably ask in terms of how things are now for young players. Because when I Which first Which is why I, played, I asked you how it was. Can you just let me finish, please. In your golden this era, Chin. John Humphreys. Can I just finish my point? So this
3: is because he's too used to having to deal with presents on Sky Sports News and simply refuses to answer the question. No, I am Says
1: answering the question. To I'm say. getting round to get the the meander question, around, explaining. To four the context and a half minutes later, my answer: been three goals. I'm just going to talk over the top of you. He's <laughs> used to Sky Sports News, so he has to pad. That's what I'm doing. I'm not padding.
2: <laughs> Forty minutes <laughs>
1: later, Chinged. There's the answer. <laughs> As I was saying, <laughs> it's, it was very different. The opportunities. Actually, I didn't. wasn't really involved with City. Until I signed schoolboy forms at fourteen, because that's how things Who were. Who were you playing for before? It that? Was, well, it was, in a way, it was kind of a, a not an academy, because what what they were doing, it's called Blue Star. it's a team called Blue Star, and what they what they did, they had a guy running it. My my son, yes. Rory. Goes football training on a Friday night with the guys from Blue Stars. Is, is that the, the same? that's coaches from Blue same, still, still so carried on. locally. Yeah, yeah. We had to change our name a number of times just to get into leagues. Because what was happening was there was kind of really good players from Manchester. Paul Molden came over. He was playing at Bolton, lads. Steve Redmond had been playing on Merseys. So they started to kind of bring all these players together and we all played together in a team. So City clearly had all these lads, they had an idea that things could work, good individual players, and they wanted them, us all to play together. That eventually then we all transitioned to joining City at 16. Some of them were slightly older than me. Paul Lake was in there as well, Steve Redmond. So we had a very good core of players and City obviously put that together but we weren't called Manchester City they had to call us something else so we can go and play out in the league we played, tended to play two years over age as well we were playing in under 18 leagues when we were 16 because obviously we were a good side and that, but we were getting regular football at least but how, we were still at school we weren't, we weren't actually being trained by the club in Bluestone any way how did Bruston find you? that's a good
2: question that's Yeah, let's, I never let's really go thought. back a step yes. even, you, even when you were just kicking put, a ball put, to yes. a great standard you, yeah. your, your parents what did they do how did you first get introduced to football well, and how did have, that process I must have been up? playing at school playing county football as well for Manchester scouts are sent out from different clubs because that's
1: what they did but that's the only way they could but they tended to pick players up when they were maybe Ten, eleven, twelve. When they're playing, school, you know, they've got to secondary school and we playing football at like that. Not at the five, six, seven-year-olds, which is what the academies do now. It's a lot younger. Now. So that was how it tended to be. You're playing school football, playing maybe county football, and scouts would come along and watch those games from a variety of clubs across the north west. And apparently, my dad told me United Blackburn. I didn't know this until after I'd actually stopped playing. and I said, "Was it just City?" And he said, "No, we got approaches from a number of clubs." Real Madrid we were in for you. Sadly not. <laughs> Sadly not. They hadn't sent over a scout to watch the Manchester County FA play on a Wednesday night in October <laughs> but anyway that, that's how I got my start and that's how City probably first were notified by the scout that actually they, 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 I was recommended to them they came and watched me play and then basically things developed and then they the opportunity was then to join a team like Blue Star who played on a Sunday so I went to school during the week played cricket, lacrosse, rugby and then played football at the weekends and we all tended to do that the players that they brought together And then things just developed from that. Schoolboy Form 16, You signed as a a pro at... um, Apprentice, sorry, at 16. So we all actually went into City at that point. But in the two years previously, we'd just played together at the weekends, never been coached. Not a single coaching session ever took place because that's not the way things were done. And then eventually, once you joined the club, Tony Buck, Glimpado, they were the youth team coaches at that point, and everything kind of went on from there and opportunities arose from there. But it was... Totally the structure, clearly, was very different than it is today with the academies. So that would have been about 1984, 5, that you were playing for Blue Star? Yeah, Probably a bit earlier than that. What was I? was 69, so I'm looking at probably, yes. 81, I made my debut in 87. Uh, 86, sorry, when I was 16, 17. So probably, yeah, the first five years of the 80s is when we were all kind of coming together and playing. Glorious times. So it, I, mm. I was obviously never a footballer,
0: and I am 13 years younger than Chinch, although when... His granddaughter marries my son. Mm. That won't mm. matter. Mm. No, won't. <laughs> uh, the the age <laughs> gaps are all over. Okay I will be dead. <laughs> Chinch did say that in the WhatsApp group of the other day. I, we were trying to plan, work out when they could get married, and Chinch said, "I said about 2047 would be appropriate." Mm. And Chinch <laughs> said, "No, I'll be dead by then," which is really depressing. Anyway,
3: it's, but, it's what, strange what, probably like true. That, so I was playing football in the nine, in the in the. You, by the way, you were you were particularly as the as the father of the of the male child were particularly bit, bit like, bit sensitive. Yeah, overprotective. I thought it would be... Chin wanted to like, get married at 20. <laughs> That's
2: because he like... did. Yeah,
3: I know. I was going to say, we're not all, For the fo- first we're time, not all footballers.
0: <laughs> we don't get married. There's no reason to get married at 20. It's, it's the 21st century. We we... I didn't get married at 20 because I was a footballer. They all get married young footballers, don't they? No, they they don't. do impetuous things.
2: That's, yes, because they can afford it. Yeah, let's get married.
0: I couldn't afford it. <laughs> anyway anyway. Couldn't afford the divorce, that's no. for
1: sure. I was, I was playing football. <laughs> I was made to, uh, made to uh, pay for that, don't worry.
0: I was playing football in the 90s, and that was the way it still worked then, that you you would play for your school team, yeah. you'd play for your local team, or one of the local teams, at, at, you know, on a, the, whatever the local pitches were, before the Tories shut them all, uh, and <laughs> sold them off to companies. Uh, and the scouts from from Leeds, yes. particularly, but I presume from other clubs as well, it was, we always got told when there were Leeds scouts watching, it never mattered to me because I was always a substitute. It was hard to get. It's hard
1: to notice how good a footballer you are when you're just carrying the oranges. It's, yeah, yeah. it's tricky, isn't but it? But yeah, notice that, that yeah. I, was, I was a really good substitute. I never complained. It was fine. Clubman. Uh, a good clubman. <laughs> yeah. Most improved. You
0: get an award a for, that. for that. But that was how it worked. That yeah. you got, yeah. the, the scouts would come and watch you in those environments when you were about 11 or 12, I think. Mm. Uh, and they would take you in for trials. A load of, loads of my mates went in for trials with Leeds. One or two then got taken on. They would train at Leeds's. Uh, academy. It wasn't... I don't know even if we called it the academy, but in the youth scheme when they were 12, 13, 14. Mm. So there was, that's interesting. They were obviously already starting to pick them up a bit younger. Yeah. that they'd yeah. take them into the club. They'd do one, maybe two nights a week. Uh, and sometimes they were told they couldn't play for their school or local yeah. team. Yeah. Sometimes they could. And you'd, you'd know that, that Pankash, who was the best player at our school... It was great because he was being allowed to play for the straw that weekend, mm-hmm. whereas he maybe wasn't allowed to play for the stroll. Sometimes, just Leeds had fixtures, yeah. And then it was when they were 15, 16, again. Same thing, apprentice forms or first-year stroller forms, as they called them. I yes, think. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they then got taken on, but it was the same process that your your basic footballing education happened outside of of a club. It happened in a much more organic environment. Maybe you get promoted to play with the. F- 14 year olds when you were 12 or whatever if you were mm. really good but the basic idea was that you would develop w- with kids you play as a kid and the, the the club would kind of take a kind of overview interest in yes your yes, that's and true. That, in yes. The, they'd yeah.
2: scout things outside of their control yeah. so that yeah. the school system or a local league system yeah. for for under 12s 13s or whatever and they they would look at that and use that as their their, their scouting yeah. pool yeah and then they would choose and pick it six years later yeah. than they're currently doing where they pick people out at eight and nine. But I suppose in, in the 80s, early 80s, 80s even early the early 80s, 80s. Even early
1: the, early 80s early, the, the clubs could have started to set academies up and say we want to do this, we want to have our own environment to bring our young players, but they didn't That again you just kind of developed the Was that a the financial outside thing, world. I don't, I don't know not, I don't, well before, possibly, it's Possibly. it's an expensive you know, thing to do I, I
0: don't know, I, po- I, that's, a, that's an interesting question, I would think it's probably more just that's not what happened. And no Why, one, why no did it come in so much later then? Was it well, that, that I suspect is a massive topic that we have talked about for ages. But it, I, I suspect that the the clubs didn't think about setting up academies when you were playing, or even when I was playing. So when did the first level.
1: academies start appearing? Well, they,
0: they had youth systems in the nineties, and they, that the Leeds certainly had places that, that the best kids in the area would go and play, and for training sessions and for games. I think they would play
3: against other. So they had facilities yeah. to they had these facilities. players to go and play. Yeah, we we. Well, I went to, to school in a leafy part of of Hampshire and uh, really we weren't very accomplished at sport full stop but we did have one lad who was a couple of years older than me at school who was uh, on West Ham's books at the time and he certainly was not allowed to play for the school football team which I know was a bit of a bone of contention for our for our PE staff cuz they felt as though he was good enough to sort of get the school some recognition you know by him being in the team would have given the school some, some recognition, so it was a bit of a frustration he wasn't able to play. So so clearly, even then, sort of like early 90s, it was an issue where clubs were They're having... Protecting ele- their assets, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. Were, yeah they, were, they were controlling. But, you know, this would have been... You know, he would have been 13, 14, maybe even 15 And, is, and
2: is this why... The academies were set up all the way back. I mentioned eight and nine. Yes, they're scouting prior to eight and nine, but obviously they only sign them under eight. I think is the first, is it under eight? I think it's the first, first group that you can get in. And they're doing that to formalize this protection of an asset, which means two things. First of all, they have a control over their development, but also they stop other clubs yeah. at that yeah. point getting the best young players around or who they feel are the best clubs around. There are they're, they're players... Um, throughout the history of football who have been bought by a club who are not necessarily 100% convinced by them but they want to make sure that another club don't steal them from them just in case. So that must go all the way back to to eight-year-old kids. Oh, they hoover up and we we
0: are actually in the best place in the country. I don't know, maybe South London maybe is equally competitive but this part of Manchester is is a great example because you have United and City who are both scouting kind of extensively and... Prolifically, if that's a word, which it probably isn't. But also, you get, as Chinch mentioned, Blackburn. You've got all the clubs in the kind of Manchester periphery: Bolton, Oldham, Rochdale, all those. Liverpool and Everton scout in Manchester as well. Yeah. The they are hoovering up kids. They are taking them in. They'll take in pretty much. I would imagine half the kids who are playing football in South Manchester or in or, or around Manchester are probably given a chance at some point you to go in into the United States, City. You? If you get
1: a thousand kids. How many are actually going to I don't know what you term success at playing for your first team. How many of the kids that you bring in are ever going to get close? So you say, "Well, right, if we, we're going to take everybody, stop other so clubs getting them, and we've got the best chance of that one or two players actually getting." I presume that's why they take so many. I think Michael Calvin,
0: board. who's written extensively about this subject, said that the the actual percentage that you're working with of of all the I can't remember if it's all the players who are taken in to the academy system at some point or all the players who are playing football. It's something like naught point. One seven percent oh, means, of all okay. those taken into the academy are will eventually make a career in the game. Yes, and and even fewer
2: probably we'll of that those club. will will play for that club. So, for example, a friend of mine, if, if we're using his experiences at the moment, his his son is ten, um, and if if we use it as a test case, joined the city academy at the earliest possible opportunity was after I think just a year or even maybe less than a year they realised that he wasn't quite up to it so they decided to release him so this kid is 8, 9 years old and having to deal with that picked up by Berry who have a very good youth system and the team that he is in is now so successful that they are being plucked by or attempted teams are attempting to pluck these kids who are now 9 10 11 years old from bury back to places like manchester city or grade one academies as they're called liverpool are interested city are interested united huddersfield these teams are all now so they might have originally had them hoover them up realize at that first point where they decide whether they're good enough or not get rid of a load but then they can always come back in mm-hmm. and re-sign them if that that parent or that child is willing to do so. Yeah. But all the time, this kid is, is 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. The parent is you know, 30, 35 years old sometimes, and they're having to make decisions that they've never had to before with huge ramifications. So the point of this first of the three podcasts that we're talking about youth is genuinely how difficult is it to make those decisions and how worried are you about making the wrong decision when even by the age, pre-pubescent age of a small boy or girl... You've got to decide whether they should be at a grade two academy, a grade one academy, dealing with the emotional fallout of them having to be dropped from an academy, maybe at the team that they support. So they're desperate to play for them. They see all their heroes. And now suddenly that emotional tie is gone. This is an incredibly difficult series of decisions for a parent to make, let alone the kid who's going through all these things happening, which he doesn't necessarily feel like he's got agency mm-hmm. because some some guy over there from that field is, is making a decision about his That's future, just, which he feels yeah. is ended, even though it might not necessarily. That's why I just do wonder whether is.
1: the academy system make, makes that decision making more complicated. But for me, if you have a, a relatively decent career, say, well, wh- whatever happened to me as a youth player, helped my development as a player what if, they, if they, other players went through what I went through, they might not necessarily have, have done what I did. It might have been better. It probably might have been worse. But actually, I remember my dad saying to me when I was 16, I had the opportunity to go to City for a, a two-year apprenticeship. And he said to me, give it two years. If it doesn't work out, you can always go back to college, university, and go off and get So he already knew that maybe it would work out well or maybe it wouldn't but I was in the outside world I was playing other sports and I definitely believe that playing lacrosse playing cricket playing rugby being at school education it wasn't just football and I just wonder am I being a bit naive to say well these kids eight years is it just football that's it and the parents are thinking eight years old they're going to be only 100 grand in, in 10 years time they're going to make it is it so is, is it a good thing the academy does it put more pressure on young players, when I was just out there, didn't even think about being a professional footballer until I was maybe 15, 16, and actually doing the job. I was just out in the outside world, enjoying my life, playing different sports, playing some football at the weekend. Does the academy system, is it better for the clubs, but is it better for the kids that are in that system? Well, they're two separate questions, aren't they? So,
0: yes, the, the clubs clearly feel, I uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but the clubs clearly feel it's better mm. to have them, have the kids in. As, as Hugh says, they, they sign them at eight, but they're scouting them at four and five. They're taking... The, the, Dave Horrocks, who runs Fletcher Moss Rangers, which is a club that produced Rashford and Lingard and various other Man United players. Um, they send loads of their kids off to United and City every every few months for trials, and then some of them come back and don't. I think Welbeck came through Fletcher Moss. Um, he told me a story about uh, seeing a, a guy who said he was working for City, I'm th- whether that's true or not, collaring a four-year-old's parents in the car park, which is illegal. Um, it. I'm, again not saying that City Mm. did anything wrong this guy said he was working for City whether he worked for City or not I do not know that's the story that Dave told me um they are looking for talent at five and six. I think I don't know. I think at that stage they just take them into sort of soccer schools, don't they? They don't. There's no contract yeah. to it. It's just you can come and train at City, and the idea is that it'll build up the loyalty to City. Yeah, come and have a fun day. We'll give you a kit, yeah. maybe, and yeah. you know you'll enjoy that. And the clubs clearly feel that this industrialisation of talent, this sort of football industrial complex that they've, where, where they are mass producing, they're gathering together as much as they can, and they're seeing what 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 it turns out. The clubs cle- clearly feel that is the best approach for them there is a whole separate debate that we'll come on to as to whether that is the best debate for them whether it's best for the kids I think is almost certainly not because mm. you're putting so much pressure on them and as Hugh says their parents at such a young age at a time when the rewards are so much greater than they were when you were yeah, 14, yes, 15 yes, because yeah, your dad would have been thinking possibly you know, Andy might want to have a great career as a footballer that would be he, he might quite like that, but probably prefer the post career as a pundit. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, Spotted yeah. early on that. So, providing he has a
3: reasonable career and is yeah.
0: suitably eloquent for he can probably do the fo- future of satellite broadcasting. He can, he can yeah. probably yeah. do some football league games for Sky. Was what? Yeah. But it's touch screen the- analysis in twenty
2: five even, years. Even at, the age <laughs> of, <laughs> even at the age of four and five, they were coming to you saying, "Try this touch screen." I'm sure. <laughs>
3: but yeah. So, the, do so you like the Second City derby? <laughs> <laughs> the,
2: you
0: know he 'd have been thinking that 's a good career, yeah. he but he might have equally been worrying well even if he plays for oldham he 's not going to earn as much money as he could as an as an yeah. eloquent young man as he could have yeah. been an accountant or being a lawyer or whatever, whereas now parents of kids from worse backgrounds than you will be looking at it thinking this is our this is our understandably it's this is a our it 's not our ticket out maybe. this is our yeah. ticket out if he can go on and be even a championship player earning twenty. 15, 20 grand a week. Yeah, that that's the thing. It's
1: not just the Premier it's not League, it's across the board. You, can you don't a lot need yes, to
0: absolutely. be elite yeah. to earn huge sums of money. Yeah So the pressure from the parents on the kids is enormous. The pressure equally on the parents to make the right decision is enormous. That strikes me as being particularly
1: unhealthy. Have you ever spoken to parents of kids of that age and kind of to get a feel for what they're thinking? Are they just saying, well, yes, we'll, well slow it go? This goes, test yeah. case
2: was a oh, friend of mine, okay. is exactly why I bring it up because. Yeah. Yeah. He is having to decide, having gone through that process of having him play for City, which is his team and his son's team. He's got to a situation where that didn't work out. So he had to guide his son through the difficulty that he faced because clearly he feels like his world's ended. He's eight, nine years old. But now he's having to manage not only the expectations of the kid who is playing exceptionally well for his age group, he's going up an age group, he's smaller than the kids that he's playing alongside, but he's still better and he's playing as a defender, so he's you know, he's he's yep, being yeah. being he's doing all the right things essentially, both physically and in terms of technique. And now he's having to make a very, very difficult decision about whether to leave Berry because they are doing so well and the group is clearly getting national attention they've won international tournaments they've been able to Amsterdam beaten Ajax they've beaten Brazilian teams seriously overachieving this team so what's the best decision are they all going to eventually inevitably get split up so they all go into these these grade one academies and you go and chase the the bright lights but might get lost within that bigger pool or do you spend longer with the team that allows you to get noticed And, and there's a real dilemma about it
3: Rory is six nearly seven George three and a half so the kind of ages that you guys are talking about <coughs> that clubs are, are starting to make decisions on players is the is the age that, that Rory is now and certainly where we are in South Manchester Manchester City are very proactive in terms of getting out into the community and they deserve great credit for, for doing it in a in a positive way they run sessions at local sports clubs um burnage rugby club is one where they put on a session on a saturday morning i think is completely free for kids to go along it's run by city's academy coaches or city in the community coaches so that's fantastic for parents that they've got that environment that they can take their children down to. But obviously, City are doing so with a with an eye to, to spotting a, a young, talented school kid who they might not otherwise have access to. They are also going into schools. They run sessions at, at Rory's school in Didsbury once a week. They, it, it's, a, it's a sports thing rather than a football thing. But again, it's an opportunity for them to assess whether there's any talented kids in, in the schools that they've not yet come across. And then we've Just also really got. Say, would, would you regard that as a bit cynical as well, or do you think it's altruistic? Or it, it, it is a the, no. I'm, I don't look at it. It, it, it can cynical. be both. Yeah, yeah it's allowed to be both. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think picking the words carefully. I think they've they've handled it in the in a really positive way. You know, the, the, the schools certainly our experience at Rory School is that they are keen to give the children as much you know physical education as they can. But obviously, in a small primary school, that is you know that that's not a resource that they've got available to them on a full-time basis tories, so yeah. if <laughs> so if somebody's coming in in terms of they have external groups that come in and run you know sporting activities for the kids who are not associated with football clubs but Manchester City have, have decided they are going to once a week send you know and I assume they do it with many other schools in the area as well but they have a a coach comes in you know one afternoon after school and does these these multi-sports clubs so yeah i'm sure they will get some benefit from it because why would they do it otherwise but they they appear to be doing it in the right way because they are providing the school with something that they they can't provide and they're giving you know the parents the satisfaction that their children have got some you know some some physical education being added into the curriculum that wouldn't otherwise be there now the other thing that we have uh, had experience of is, is perhaps the other side of it the less cynical side of it which is some local coaches, FA trained coaches who put on these sessions at another school on a Friday evening which, which Rory and George both go along to they are fantastic a- ages from sort of four up to eight or nine you know mixed boys and girls it's just done f- for fun you know introduction to football really basic skills a bit of a game at the end of it the kids absolutely love it there is no pressure the dads can, can have a game on a spare pitch if if they want. You know, it's all very relaxed. The dads can have a game. This is... Just in terms of the I bet that gets a bit competitive. It's all the dads, dads. Oh, <laughs> turning
1: up with your full kit on.
3: <laughs> shin pads included. Maybe, maybe I could bring you down. You could do a bit of coaching for the dads. Well, yeah, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. I He's charging, looking, looking into the middle distance thinking, thing. Thing. yeah, it's but, really but, not <laughs> worth my while. <laughs> but some some of these coaches are associated with the Blue Stars club that you were oh, you were okay. talking about early on. So, obviously, if they do see... A kid that they think's got a bit of talent, they will mention to the parents that, you know, the child has done well mm-hmm. and they do a session at, you know, Blue Stars, maybe on a Tuesday or a Wednesday evening. Would they like to come along and get involved in, in that? But again, it's all dealt with in a very relaxed, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to do it. You know, there's no guarantees about where it might lead, but we just think perhaps your child is, is a little bit better now than this level and they carefully move them up through the levels at this training on a, on a Friday night. And do you know what? They, they deserve a huge amount of credit for giving children that environment to learn football without there being this sort of undercurrent of cynicism that yeah, all, yeah. You know, we're only yeah. doing this because they we might make some money out of it at the end of the day because it, it's the complete opposite to and, that sort of thing. And
2: making the money out of it is not only what the, the club thinks but also what the parents think. You have to manage the expectation yeah. of the parents because parents obviously do, and it might be the minority, but they get a very, very bad reputation for putting their own... Um, yeah. Needs ahead of the needs of their child, and I just want to again provide the counterpoint to to some of that pressure that might be on parents.
3: In that, uh, there's a lad who has recently joined the group on a Friday night. Who what he's he'll be seven or eight. Who was in City's system, and he's a he's a good player. City didn't want to lose him, but he wasn't enjoying it. Mm. He made that clear to his parents. He did not enjoy. The way that the football was being being done there, even though he was a, he's a good player and he's you know he's head and shoulders above the other young kids on a Friday night, but they made the very you know it probably wasn't a difficult decision actually because if you, if your child isn't happy, that they would they've they've stepped away from that and reintroduced him to this much more relaxed, friendly, less pressurised environment where he can enjoy playing his That's fight. Good. So so it, at the end, yeah, parents are having to make that potentially difficult decision. With their child at the age of yeah. what seven or eight,
0: which I think is, and it's encouraging that parents t- t- can do that and say, look, the kid's not enjoying it, so so there's no point in being there. That that, that they've recognised that forcing him continue with it mm. like my sister in cello lessons. <laughs> it's counterproductive. limit cello. Just normal cello. Oh, no, it's Just limit normal cello, cello now. now. Yes, yes. Rachel did not like cello lessons, so she stopped and later became a world class cellist. <laughs> not that, that, that little bit is a lie. <laughs> she, she no longer plays the cello. Mm. Uh, no it's great that the kids that the parents have recognised that the kids aren't enjoying it, so it's not in anybody's interests to force him to continue to go, it will put him off football, certainly in an, in an organised capacity. The, po- the massive positive, I think, there is that I, I grew up also in a leafy area. We were not. Yeah, but up north. Up north, so <laughs> different type of leafy. The leaves we, that hurt you when they fell off and hit yeah. you on the head. We yeah. played in tough a, leaves in a in a, a lead. And Leeds famously didn't scout the Harrogate Leagues, which was because... it was too soft. It was too middle class. They didn't scout in Harrogate. They scouted in Leeds, they scouted in York, and they scouted in Bradford, but they wouldn't scout in Harrogate. We, we only played in front of scouts when we played in cup competitions, which for some reason we played in Leeds. I don't know why. Uh, we were kind of in between Leeds and Harrogate, so for some reason we played the lead in Harrogate, the cup mm-hmm. in Leeds, I don't know. But we would go to slightly rougher places where my, where my mum and dad weren't desperately keen to drive me and force me to get a lift no, this, that, that, was, that, that
1: boy's was just sworn at me Bobby <laughs> I mean, no, that I, was, I, was I, me I was the swear. <laughs> oh really yeah. potty mouth eh I always knew there was a <laughs> reason
3: sledging early years sledging I always knew there was a reason is. I didn't make it and it was clearly growing up in a leafy area was what counted against oh, me but no, that see. was true yeah. where we were I grew up in in north east Hampshire and and you know it was a fairly getting very
2: parochial at the moment condensed but the only
3: time the clubs would ever the bigger, you know, like the Southampton and Portsmouth, for example, would see players as when they played in the Hampshire Cup, which involved teams from the from the South Coast uh, area, or that, you know, clubs, you know, like I say, we had a, we had a, a lad from school who, who, Clearly been scouted by West Ham, so you know if you played the other side of the border, you know in like the Surrey or Berkshire area, then then their their scouts would occasionally catch you during cup games.
0: Should point out to our American <laughs> listeners that that border between Hampshire and Surrey does have a wall on it, oh yes. Yes. to stop people and
3: getting into Surrey. Yes. And
2: there was no yes. debate about it no. either. There was there was no ideological left. Uh, there there are a couple of, there idea. are
3: a couple of checkpoints,
2: but there's plenty <laughs> of razor wire. Right. They, yeah. they have they yeah. have checkpoint Charles. <laughs> 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 that, uh, you, you Charles Whittington Smith. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that that's a parochial, a parochial thing but that's, that's actually, it's probably not for this, this podcast but that is a really important issue which is that clubs are have, or certainly have always limited their market because clubs, a lot of clubs don't scout middle class areas, or certainly didn't, which was probably legitimate because the vast majority of players as we know are, come from, from working class stock and, and from certain social groups and from certain areas and that's all fine the country now the, the demographic balance of, of what, we would, what we would consider middle and working class has changed completely. And the, the, there is a lot of thinking among clubs, I think, that they now need to get out into those non-traditional areas. because Not because you, you'll end up with more middle class players than working class players, because you probably won't, but because so many more people would now identify or be identified as middle class that you can't afford to say well, we, we're not going to scout that bit because they're too posh, which is what Leeds did, and with good reason. We were all terrible. But the, increasingly, because of the way that social... Because of social mobility, to an extent, I think, uh, th- that has changed. So th- there, is a sub- there is a subject to explore further, not only in, in Britain, but in Brazil, where more and more players are coming from the rising middle class, mm. which has traditionally not been scouted in Brazil either. But what I would take from Steve's, Steve's account of life as a dad...
3: <laughs> is Steve is my guru, my Svengali <laughs> of dadhood uh, You need to look elsewhere for the, that level To Grandy gra- <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can help you with what what not to do It's but what to do I, I fail with What's really encouraging is that the kids have been
0: coached Because I don't remember being coached at all No I don't yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we had You our just te- turn up and play both Our teams it, yeah. were all run by, by enthusiastic parents Who put their kids in the team ahead of me <laughs> And uh, Tim Bloody Tim <sighs> to take, hopeless, to take a saying. free kick, he's, but he didn't yeah. need to be captain. The, um, <laughs> Sounds <the> like Chinch, <laughs> although he's never captain. <laughs> I was, the I no captain leadership once, qualities. Once
1: in my career. But
0: yeah, the career. W- they had no qualifications. You'd turn up for training on a Thursday night and you'd, you'd run around the pitch a few times and you'd have a game and yeah. that was it. What's really encouraging now is that in the community, which is where it should be, and we all come at these things from our with our, our own personal biases and our pers- personal kind of experiences and it tends to influence what we think should happen. I don't think kids need to be running to clubs at under the age of 12, I think it's nonsense that the clubs take them in at that age, there should be much higher quality coaching in the community. And the fact that you've got FA qualified coaches, people doing level ones and what have you, yeah. who are coaching in the community is fantastic. And the fact that clubs are reaching out into the communities is fantastic. That's, the gr- that's a great start to allow kids not only to play, but to have some sort of formalised training is how it
2: should be. Just quickly, you mentioned the age 12. Um, research... That I've heard far too many times secondhand, so I hope it's right. Suggests that kids shouldn't focus on one sport until the age of about 13, 14. They should be given the opportunity to, as you were, yeah, yeah. Andy, to yeah. kind of spread their sporting wings, yeah. try everything, and, and to not focus in until your early teens, mm. which of course is the very opposite of what clubs are trying to do now which is to get them to focus on football and to really get to the point that they're not allowing those those kids to play any other sport and certainly not play football elsewhere so there's there's a even though they are trying to develop them as footballers and getting them in early so they have the opportunity to do that they are actually not necessarily helping them develop as young human beings and you were lucky Andy because you had the opportunity to not only play other sports but the other thing to say about that getting getting you early so to speak is that your education Mm -hmm. becomes very much secondary if you feel like there's any chance that you're going to succeed. And, of course, academies are under great pressure to the point that actually it's become something of a legal bone of contention of late of providing education and providing good education. There's one Premier League team that has, within its catchment area, South London. uh, It's from outside of London, a slightly more leafy area, as Steve suggested. And because they can offer good education, they go into south london and they say to families listen you might want to go to bigger clubs with fancier academies you might want to go here or go there but with the education that we offer perhaps you'd consider coming out of an an environment which is not necessarily helpful for your child's development and you are not able to be a social climber unless we give you the opportunity to come and and have education in our private school that we offer as part of our academy so there's two things there you andy got a good education, you were allowed to have that education before you went into the city but I system. Wanted I wanted it You wanted well. to do I that enjoyed, and you I were enjoyed. also yeah, given yeah. the opportunity to play other sports yes. which helped your development yes. and might have helped you be a better footballer. So those two things, one isn't happening anymore mm. and the second one because of criticism is at least they are trying to bring that in and have that education as f- not front and centre but almost as important. So much so that it's a selling point for some academies against other academies.
1: Yeah, I I do think it can be cultural as well and generational. My my dad worked very hard for what he got and it was instilled in me that education, when I got an opportunity to go to a grammar school, it was an opportunity that clearly they wanted for me because they thought I was capable of doing it. And I really enjoyed studying that's why I don't mind doing stats and computer work now. And that was stemmed from when touch I was screens. a kid. Touchscreens. Yeah, touch, I'm amazing at that. But... <laughs> doesn't like infographics, though, does he? No. Yeah. He, yeah. Hates he doesn't, he doesn't like infographics.
3: preparing for the podcast. No,
1: no, prepares no, for podcast. Like, no, I like to be fast and lucid by podcasting. <laughs> it's just, that's just the way I... Anyway, we're getting a point. I really enjoyed... And it's okay saying, come into the academy. We're going to you know, have all this fa- fabulous coaching on the pitch. And we're going to try and school you. If those kids don't want to be schooled, and their parents are just saying, well, yeah, ju- just do the schoolwork, but you're going to be an in international footballer and you're going to earn hundreds of thousands of pounds. The kids have to really want to, and there will be, there will be players who are very good players and do enjoy studying and learning and reading, which, which I certainly did, and I know a, a number of people that I played with during my career that, that, were, that went through the same process I just wonder now if kids are restricted just to playing football and not allowed to play rugby and lacrosse and cr- lacrosse and cricket and all those <laughs> yeah, types of things only you play lacrosse and croquet <laughs> those type of things bridge um, not a sport, not yeah, a sport. I, I th- it seems strange to say well actually wouldn't it be better if you restrict them and just say you're going to be football or trained play- uh, from 8 years old clearly I don't think it does help you develop. We talked about before about developing your brain to be a good player as well as your, as your body and your technique and everything else. So you think from when I was in that kind of system as a youth team player in the early 80s to where we are now, there should have been a huge jump in terms of doing what is right for the kids' development. But actually we're talking about a lot of things that might not be helping them been become a, the best player and best person. There's that they been can a huge
0: be. jump in what the clubs think is best for the kids and what the clubs think is best for them. But they're, they're not necessarily right, right on what's best okay. for the kids and they're not necessarily right on mm. what's best for them. There was an interesting Barney Roney piece in The Guardian about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, which made the point that there has always been a suspicion with, with, with the Ox, as we have to call him, with Oxlade-Chamberlain, that he's not necessarily a, an elite footballer. He is an elite athlete who happens to be a footballer. And that's quite a good example, I think, of... Of that issue of whether you play extra sports, so Oxford chamberlain was a good cricketer. Mm-hmm. He was an excellent mm-hmm. rugby player, uh, possibly a good runner or a good swimmer or something. Yeah, and it just so happened that he turned his hand to football. But he's not that kind of single-minded, tunnel visioned. Yeah, just just football, football seeping out of his pores. Mm-hmm. That you you would maybe get if he if he hadn't played those other sports. And yeah. the clubs definitely seem to think that other sports are a distraction, and they teach them the wrong lessons. So they they restrict them deliberately, but also the the kids themselves and their families will restrict themselves because
3: there's much more money in being a footballer. Kids want to be footballers much more than they want to be golfers, for yeah, example. Yeah. Yeah, I once asked a scout, I was fascinated, when you go to a game, what, what, are, you, what are you looking for? What is it that, a, about a, a player that's going to catch your eye? And the answer was simple. Can they run? It's the way they move, stuff. The they, first yeah, thing, yeah. can yeah, they yeah, run? Yeah, yeah. And then subsequently... Can they pass the ball, mm. so that sort of ties in with the thing is athletically is there something there we can work with? not do they That's seem to true. have a good football brain yeah yep. you know d- does their, does their control of the game, their vision? can we utilize those particular skills it was can they get from A to B effectively and efficiently
0: there is one one other thing I want to say about what James said about education. we have covered the subject of intelligence yeah. previously, I think we it, it probably goes without saying that that kids, once they're in, in academies in, in England, it is a problem how little the education seems to be front and centre, whereas in other countries, certainly in Germany, there is much more focus on it. That's, we do, we, we probably don't need to go into that hugely, because it's fairly well-established that they could all, the clubs could all make much more effort with the strolling This is going to be a theme, I think, of the next two podcasts. It's really interesting that Chinch grew up in a world in which he could go to a grammar school and focus on his education. And the clubs have now noticed that there is a lack of that and that they are, that's something they're missing. So they've had to artificially impose it on these kids they've taken into their academy by signing agreements with private schools, Liverpool, yeah. Man City, they've all got them. They have private schools they send their yeah. kids to. They're having to artificially create something which used to occur naturally, yeah. the ability to continue your education if you wanted to. That is a theme of youth development at the moment where, they are, where the clubs have found them, have backed themselves into a corner so much that they have to provide facilities for the kids
1: that they need but that they have deprived the kids of by taking them in so young Yes, yeah, I was educated and played football I wasn't playing football oh by the way we'll give you some education as well it's completely been flipped hasn't it mm. but like I was saying in those 20 years since I was a youth team player shouldn't lessons have been learned and shouldn't things be better and you put the kids in a better position to be successful to maybe make careers in the game but from
2: what we're saying it, not, not necessarily ca- they're, they're actually the case it's interesting and, and, and at least that is higher on the priority list of clubs now to have yeah. education although how much those young players actually attend those schools is another argument and particularly those who are more successful tend to go to school a little less
0: I was with a 17 year old hotshot at a Premier League football club of, of whom great things are expected the day before he had I think a physics AS level of some sort he had attended one lesson
2: that year Probably get a D. (laughs) They'd
0: do better than I would on a physical
2: exam. So that's uh, where we are currently. We've dealt with the whole kind of recruitment of kids, parents, decision-making at that early stage. The next episode will focus on that crucial transitional period between the later stages of an academy career and then the first team and how to make that step across no man's land into the great big wide world of professional football. Should you stay with your club and hope to break through there or go out on loan perhaps, to learn how everyone else does it and get a few Bumps and bruises along the way Um, So that's to come in our next episode Over the course of these three uh, Youth related podcasts Instead of having a soccer story We're actually going to take Andy back to when he was A little younger and perhaps consider Just how much that grammar school education Helped him (laughs) Because years and years ago When Andy and I were the commentary team For Manchester City On a local commercial radio station In Manchester called Key 103 Andy would weekly write, well bi weekly, would write a column for the uh, Manchester City uh, program. It just so happens, Chinch, that I have those columns saved on my computer. All of, so all of them. All of them. There were about 40. Did you get them off microfiche from the British Library? <laughs> Chinch <Chinslet's> was <laughs> terrified. So, Chinch, what we're mm. going to do, you haven't seen these no, for no, I didn't even know you more had than 10 years. Um, I think more than 10 years. Yeah. I haven't actually checked. Mm. I have not looked at them for that amount of time. <laughs> i just remembered that I've got them. So, Rory and Steve, uh, give me a number between 1 and 30. Uh, Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Genuinely, I was going to say twenty-three. Ooh. Now there's 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 Ooh. synergy there. It's actually is it five. <laughs> no. um, Label twenty-three that you wrote on the twenty-third of a particular month. So would you like one, two, three, four, or eleven? You better choose this. Let's not agonise over it. Come Pep on. On, just on the number four. <laughs> number four. Right. So we're going back here to April. Uh, between matches just following I think Watford and before Aston Villa uh, Chinch if you'd like to just uh, you Wait know a just a I'm, little I'm having soul. to read
1: my own work. should we pay for someone to
2: come in no, no because we have who's no money who's the most famous voice I Mc- can't Sir Ian McKellen read this you're the most famous voice we currently oh, have right, so okay. these Do are the words the that whole you thing? pen the thoughtful yes. the thoughtful considerations of Andy Hinchcliffe in his column so City had played Watford
1: were due to play Villa uh, and these were my wise words after the game <clears throat> As Watford were finally put out of their relegation misery, the question again rose of the city's ability to play entertaining football and still pick up what should have been a comfortable three points. Watford were awful. (laughs) So surely now is time to play with more adventure as the side are comfortably clear of relegation after a good run of results. All good stuff. Sadly, this was not to be uh, exclamation mark. The game descended into a tedious, long-kicking <laughs> contest with neither side willing nor able to get the ball down and play with some style. After being gifted the lead, I expected City to dominate a doomed side, and yet it was Watford who forced the pace and deservedly equalised. Was this because the season is over and the players are just ma- marking time, or does the club have an ongoing problem which needs resolving over the summer? Question mark. Rhetorical. Hmm. Joey Barton's comments will be the talk of
2: the town all week and the players need to let their football do the talking come Saturday. We what? should we should just say Joey what Barton did an interview afterwards with me. I should say yeah. where he absolutely ripped into the City side, complained about lack of signings, said the signings were rubbish, said the team was playing terrible football, and it and it, it went a bit crazy afterwards.
1: So for once, Joey Barton actually was right in what he said. <laughs> is anyway, that why he was getting into the team, <laughs> yeah, laying into them big time. Playing Aston Villa at home is the perfect opportunity to restore some faith with fans who have had to endure six consecutive home matches without a goal. Without a goal i didn 't say I've just made that up that shocking stat statistic has to change now, and in the future, or the number of empty seats at Eastlands next season will grow alarmingly as fans vote with their feet, and the chintz predicts city one, Villa nil actual score, City nil, Villa two. <laughs> yes, but I had been saying about the poor football, the lack of goals at home, so even though I got the prediction wrong, the con that is.
3: Good. That's not too bad Good Is to that that know w- That uh, Joey's uh, Joey's words Were as authoritative Authoritative In 2007 As they are in 2017 and the
1: players Girded their
0: loins I don't, his, I don't know uh, If he played
2: again Or very rarely was, Played again
0: That would be No Neil's They were
1: quite a good team mm. But anyway, that's not about the prediction, is it? What about the? I, I you're I a respected in inverted commas journalist. What do, you, what do you, reckon? I greatly enjoyed it. Something to work with, yeah. isn't there?
0: Well, as a go a bit more, of and we? polish. No, Rory. do you know what, the yeah, funny thing is that yeah. whenever anybody, and I do it as well, whenever anybody writes about football, they automatically do it in football speak. It's really odd. And you just, you find that, Ed, that you can get you could get like Harold Pinter to write a match report and it would be, it would be <laughs> early, early in the second half,
2: <laughs> Watford roared forwards. <laughs> and, and if somebody got injured, they'd still say the word crocked, even though that's not used but in any I, I other situation.
1: I do like the way I describe Watford, are awful. <laughs> that's yeah, still that a is, phrase yeah. I use to this day. You are awful. Um, I, don't think, Watt, I, I don't think that's a bit like Donald Trump claiming yeah. he invented the word fake. I don't think <laughs> you can claim that as your phrase. No I, didn't, no, I just say it's a phrase I use. I used back then, it's just 10 a years ago. It's just a And I still use it to this day, which clearly has worked for me. You're claiming ownership of awful. No, 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 it's not. I'm just saying it's a
2: phrase I use, which I think works particularly well when I use it. When, when you (laughs) want to describe a team who are awful, you use the word awful. It's groundbreaking change. We'll have more. Chinch from the ages the column will <laughs> return
3: <the> <laughs> uh,
2: on next week's podcast when we uh, once again d- dive into the subject of youth football thank you very much indeed for, for, for doing that 10 years ago Chinch uh, at setpiece menu or at at gmail.com is if you would like to get in touch with us where you will find us please do subscribe share rate and review we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule thank you to Andy from both 2017 and 2007 to Rory and to Steve and to you for listening we'll be back with another set piece many for you to enjoy very soon
0: if Andy in 2017 to tell Andy in 2007 anything
1: what would he say <laughs> use use fewer exclamation marks. do what you're gonna do big fella because yeah. it's all gonna work out for the best Is that, do you think? You're, you're gonna go through a very expensive divorce but still you'll be much the happier at the end of it do you still think of yourself as big fella <laughs> I have been generally quite a big fella during my not in terms of my of my charisma well, in terms or terms sense of self-esteem. <laughs> I was quite a chunky chalk ice wasn't I? So I tend to call myself, big looking back on myself, pictures of myself, which Steve showed me a picture from when I
3: was 18 years old. Good God, my hair was magnificent. Go to the, uh, oh, the at Six menu Twitter feed and I will once again retweet the magnificent picture of Chinch, is it Steve Redmond and Paul uh, Lake? Uh, Ian Brightwell. Ian Brightwell in Ooh, the Brightwell. tightest pair of nylon shorts. What we should, do? All what we should
1: do is have a team picture of ourselves when we were all 17. And let you the listeners decide. You on couldn't it. handle me in my velvet jacket when I'm <laughs> I just want to <laughs> bring it in and we'll try and get Steve, because he's the, he's the guy that does this tablet, put them together. We'll have a little foreshot of us all when we were 17. Okay. And see, just, yeah. just see how well I have, you I have you no photos of me of of when I was 17. You must
3: have. Where would I get them? From? I've seen photos of you from when you were 17.
2: Your mother? right. We Your have mother to get, probably. Well, I'll have to delve into the.
1: Ask Viv.
2: Ask Viv, <laughs> a new feature on yeah. set. You must have been blowing a Trumpet when you were 17.
1: I was blowing a trumpet from the age of seven. Well, there's got to be a picture of you blowing a trumpet then somewhere, hasn't there? Stick that in.